0: Hi, I'm John. And
1: I'm Colin. And I'm Dragon.
0: This is Hold Up. This is the show where we talk about movies from long ago and not so long ago and see if they hold up.
2: Listen, I know we started as foes, but after the courageous act that you showed me against the one they called Derek, maybe someday we could become friends. Friends who ride majestic, translucent steeds, shooting flaming arrows across the bridge at Hemmendale. When I was a kid...
1: When I was a little boy, I always wanted to be a dinosaur. I wanted to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex more than anything in the world. I made my arms short and roamed the backyard. I chased the neighborhood cats. I growled and roared. Everybody knew me and was afraid of me. And one day my dad said, Bobby, you're 17. It's time to throw childish things aside. And I said, okay, Pop. But he didn't really say that. He said... Stop being a fucking dinosaur and get a job. I have a belly full of white dog crap in me, and, and now you lay this shit on me?
2: Cue the theme song. song. If you're referring to me as Butt Buddy, yes, I do have a name. It's Brennan Huff. Okay, here's a shot out of a cannon. Oprah, Barbara Walters, your wife. You gotta fuck one, marry one, kill one. Go. If you wanna get down on these hairy balls, hey. why don't you jump right hey. in? Hey. I yes, one roll! This house is a fucking prison! I'm bullshit! In the galaxy of this sucks camel dicks! When you oppress people, they rise up in a fiery anger! Are we going to shove one of those fake hearing devices so far up your ass? You can hear the sound of your small intestine as it produces shit! All
0: right. Do you have... Family, nice close family, you got family that's close to you, you got biological family, and then you get into your more extended family type people, like step-parents, stepsister, and step-brothers. Ta-da! We're going back, folks. We're going back to 2008, and we're dipping our toes once again into the waters that are Adam McKay. Adam McKay and his comedies. Um... This one popped out, uh, was written by Mr. McKay and directed, uh, but also Will Ferrell helped with the screenplay just a little bit. Uh, And John C. Riley gets a story credit here as well. So something they've been thinking about for a little bit of time, going to put together. I actually um, think I recall reading that Adam McKay wanted to make this more of a drama. But it worked out okay as a comedy. Uh, in this one, we have Will Farrell, John C. Riley, Mary Steenbergen, Richard Jenkins, Adam Scott, Catherine Hahn, um, a few other faces that you would no doubt recognize in this movie. I'm just looking through the list. Seth Rogen makes a little cameo as he would in this group of people Phil Lamar, also Ken Ken Young, Ken Jong, boats um, and hoes. That's it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I thought that, that would be perfect. perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> uh, um, coming in at the ideal comedy length of 98 minutes, um, this one popped out for around $65 million, which was quite a budget for a comedy of this uh, length. And I don't know. I was trying to think of what might comprise a $65 million budget, but it doubled up and brought home close to $130 million in the box office. I mean they and did a they I, did a
1: music video for that boats and hose and crashed a boat and had choppers true. and fucking you know, bunch of actors. Yeah, I guess
0: the choppers and the what's well, the big event that they're on the Catalina wine mixer. Fucking Catalina wine. Fucking Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> oh, that is so freaking funny. So, obviously, this movie has a lot of chuckle points like that. For history in this movie, I only saw this like once when it first came out and had not thought about it much since, uh, other than to hear Colin saying, This is awesome. It's one of the best comedies. So that's why I got added to the list. Colin of sounds things. like Cosby. I Rudy's got stepbrothers, what? Uh, and I'm going to go <laughs> rape people. Uh, that's Cosby not me. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I do remember this one being Good quite funny, dude, but man. honestly, I forgot a whole bunch of things about it, like more particularly that Adam McKay wrote and directed. So um usually for comedy movies back in this kind of time frame, uh if Adam McKay made it, you watch it cuz there's some funny stuff.
2: I would love that to Ian know Will Ferrell got into. what what women thought of this movie because I mean, I think guys probably connect to it more but i would love to hear what nat thought about Step Brothers*. maybe you should watch it with her now that you've seen it again Yeah, i'll,
0: I'll give it a i'll give it a go yeah um, <laughs> that's good um this popped out two years after talladega nights too so like those were the kind of movies like the 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 figure skating one with will ferrell would have been not too far off in these like there was a whole Blades slew of, of movies yeah, blades of glory. Like so, that's why this movie, for me anyway, I had like kind of a watch and done with it because there were so many in in Will Ferrell's um, bag, I guess, and and I guess Adam McKay being involved with a lot of those too. That I, they kind of blended, and I lost interest around that time. But certainly, there's some flicks um, from that run that are worth revisiting.
1: Yeah, I mean, the first time I watched this, I did not like it. Um, I thought it was just like thought it was I thought it was simple and it I mean it is simple but I thought it was the immaturity of it and the fucking gags were just at that time I think it just was I felt like it was a really fucking underwhelming thing just filled with basically fart and shit jokes um but upon watching it again I think probably for the same reason because Colin touted it as good um over the years I've watched it a bunch more times and it's like It's one of those easy to enjoy comedies generally, right?
0: So Uh, you were like probably feeling some of that same burnout of Will Ferrell that I was. Because like there was old school, a Talladega, there was Blades of Glory. um,
1: They did two Sherlock's. I don't know where that was after I think a touch. Yeah, my
2: my history was the same. I, I thought this was stupid. When I first saw it, I was like, it's stupid. And I don't actually know why I watched it again. Might have been out of boredom or I couldn't find something to watch. And then I just found myself continuing to rewatch it over and over and over again. I think the thing, the reason why it gets better. And I don't know if this makes it a good movie or a bad movie for structure and writing. Is because I think I didn't care about their characters. I thought they were dumb when I first watched it. But because I know that they have arcs and that they're not bad people, but you don't learn that. You learn that through the course of the movie. In the beginning of the movie, they they're kind of they are kind of bad people. Like they're both they're using not they're, very likable. They're sponging off their parents. They're both very selfish when it comes to their parents. Neither of them want to move in. Neither of them care if their parents are happy. They they just want to continue to live the lives that they're living uninterrupted, without getting jobs, without having any responsibilities, without having to share their parent with another person, like a partner. So, yeah. that does make them very unlikable, but by the end of the movie, you you do get on board with them, so I don't know if it's because in re-watches, you, you know that there's some de- something down to earth about them, and so you kind of start to root for them earlier on in the movie, but um, it's definitely interesting how it grows on you in a weird way. Um, well,
0: the the whole the main so we just did uh, behind the candelabra, and while that was a two to one not holding up, um, the one complaint that I think we all kind of shared was that it was a little bit difficult to get behind any of the main characters. They all were kind of flawed in a way that's not redeemed by the end. Not not it wasn't for me anyway as much And this one. They are not very likable, but they're not they're not lost souls. they're not malicious. it's not intentional, they're just so immature, and their parents have enabled them, but they're not really like when John C. Riley is yelling at his dad, it's not and he's upset with things changing. It's not because he was pulling one over on his dad and he knew it, and now he's losing that. He is like legit, a lost little boy who's like being told to go out into the world for the first time. And he's got to deal with that. So that makes it a little redeemable in my eyes, which is why these characters you you can get behind. And then when they do arc, like by the time we get to the fucking Catalina wine mixer, um, you can see that they, even if the plan was to get the parents back together, which is kind of a noble plan, because if they were the ones who brought the, ripped the parents apart, yeah. then them bringing them back together is the right noble thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it kind of is that you're able to recover over that stuff. Plus, Adam Scott um, being the the villain steps in at the appropriate time in the movie to give the two guys something to rally against in terms of the new evil. And the dad is kind of a, a villain as well through the mid, the mid stages of the movie.
2: For me, I um, think the which father... Which gives them
0: some reprieve from being bad guys.
2: The father for me was my window into the movie the first couple of times I watched it. Because I could relate my um, I have some family things with um, si- s- some siblings and stuff where where um, kind of reminded me a little bit of what was going on with with the Richard Jenkins father character with his kids or with his kid and his wife's kid that made me really relate to him. and for so- something, I don't know if it's the way he plays it. Are the way that it's written, <laughs> but there is something so enjoyable about him watching him be tortured by these two guys <laughs> who he cannot control. He can't fix their you no know, everything he tries to do. Because there's p- parts in the movie where he is trying to be a good father. He like when he's trying to get oh, them yeah. jobs. He sets up the interview. He tells them to take clothes out of his closet. He he like gives him encouraging words. He's like, This is your time, guys. Like you go for it. Like you do what you gotta do. Like he, he is encouraging. He also just wants them to get the fuck out of his house. So I mean, yeah. there's that too, but like he'll do anything to get rid of them. But
1: he's like and- John's John's right. I think he's he is a villain, but he's only a villain in the sense that his motivation acts in direct opposition to theirs. And so, like, while he's totally, you're right. He's 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 our sense of like, um, like rationality in the film, right? Like, we follow yes. his kind of, yes. like, you know, yes. he's the straight man, pretty much.
2: And yeah, um, yes, he is.
1: <laughs> and but he does want the opposite of what our main characters slash heroes want, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. so he is. He does play that role, but through motivation only, I think. He, I, and he loses it from time to time,
0: which is like uh-huh. so funny when they push him to towards like shut the fuck up. Yeah, that I, I, kind <laughs> of it's so funny because like I think Colin's absolutely right. He's like who you get who who you start to like and get into, and then he just or he's like the the voice of reason because even Mary um uh, Mary Steenburgen, the way she plays it is more of an enabling parent. She's like oh, more yeah. like oh it's my boy, and so. But then, closer to the end of the movie, I think you switch behind her because you can see that she's being pushed to kick the to kick the guys out and say that they're moving on. Oh, we thought it was best to do this, and obviously, it's um, uh, Doctor Dobak that was that was pushing that agenda. But she kind of keeps it together near the end, and so, she's like, such it's interesting an enabler. The waves you go right through. after
1: they find out that they've crashed their fucking boat and ruined their retirement plans and dreams, they she immediately goes, but. You did show good motivation, yeah. and uh, that's something that you know we could reflect positively on. That it's like it is not the right time for the fucking uh, shit compliment uh, sandwich <laughs> thing here, where you finish up yeah. on a bright note. Like, yep. So when- she, she's probably the worst person in this for enabling.
2: Well, that's why oh, yeah. it makes. That's what makes him such a kind of a good um, antagonist. The father because he's like the um what's the bad guy in Avengers the one the end game the one who snaps his fingers uh oh, Thanos he's sakes. he he's yeah, the Tha- Thanos, yeah. he is Thanos because he, he he he's logical he like his points are solid like you like you i also think they should move on get jobs and take care of themselves and when they wreck my boat if they did that to my boat I would be the same as him I mean it just happened When they were riding in that car He just found out yeah. about it Like maybe 15 minutes ago And she's like well, They were very creative They showed good creativity I, I would have thrown her out of the car too I would have been like What, yeah. what are you talking yeah. about?
0: So, like, after all, he tried to do for them, and then that's how they repay him with initiative of destroying his boat and his whole his whole retirement. That's,
2: that's what I would have pulled back on if i would have if I could have done anything in the editing or or during the shooting of this movie, I think I would have pulled back on a couple of things in the movie that they do that I feel like are a little out of character. I feel like the job interview stuff where they where they where they pick on the person interviewing them. And they like they interview together and stuff. I feel like that stuff was a little bit too unbelievable because it seems like they are self-sabotaging and but like in such a kind of malicious way. Um, the father well, set up totally, these in- yeah, so I would have probably gotten I would have I would have brang that way down. Because I feel like that is kind of unrealistic for who the characters are. Like when they're crying and they're like, are you crazy? You're going to like take away the TV and stuff. And like, this is bullshit. That's more believable to me than the interview stuff seems out of character for them. The farting farting is okay. The farting is okay. Because that was an accident. But the them picking on Pam are pushing people in the office... All of that stuff, I would have edited all of that out because it just seemed it seemed hmm. kind of un, unrealistic to me. And the movie feels it's weird grounded. To say
1: unrealistic in this film at all? Yeah, isn't it? I don't think I so. Though I
2: disagree. Like, like when they hit each other with golf clubs and baseball bats or try and bury each other, that's all realistic and with inside their characters. They hate one another, but when they're like pushing they're people, to murder, in, he's
1: burying the guy.
2: Well, yeah, he <laughs> hates him, and I'm okay with that. There's a motivation. They say terrible just killing things to each a person. Show.
1: You think that's worse than them than them uh, sabotaging interviews?
2: just them pushing random strangers Your and and the tuxedos. Even like it's making them to be not um, immature or naive, but it's making them to be completely stupid. There's no well, way they thought wearing tuxedos that didn't fit to job interviews. Uh, no,
1: that's intentional. They're they're intentionally botching the interviews because they don't want the jobs. They're going to satisfy their obligation to uh, go. I don't, but, but I, I don't like know about that
2: though.
0: I read that as different. I Me read that th- as I they just that don't too. know how to dress nicely. Yeah, that's think what I did. Tux, tuxes are the highest form of nice dress, so why not wear a tux to an interview? Like that's probably as far as the brains made it on that one. And then the other stuff, Colin, you're saying like these guys are very territorial. so like against each other when they show up on each other's turf like they're not social guys so i i don't think it's too big a stretch that if they were walking in an office feeling all like big and powerful that if someone got in their way they'd be like get out of my way this is how the world works i take what i want i push you away i kill my stepbrother so it wasn't as big a stretch but i i um but definitely the other the other moments just between them definitely hit as as (laughs) more possible with these two morons
2: yeah it's one thing like the stuff with the kids beating them up and stuff like and i because I, I love i love how um will ferrell's like you're crazy they're just little kids what are they gonna do to us and then he gets punched in the face and then he's like getting like then the kids attack him and throw them on the ground I, there's like so many kids too i mean as an adult i mean <laughs> and that made sense that's a to lot me, of kids yeah, and some of them are yeah. quite large. They're not all, like, tiny. Some of them were, like, teens, late teens. So they could definitely overpower the two of them. And uh, so all of that's really funny. Like, I just... This shouldn't work. But, but for the most part, I think it does. I don't know how, why. I think probably the actors they chose, um, you know, because... There's, there's times where I feel like John C. Riley almost is um, stealing a scene from Will Ferrell. Like, he's really they're good both, in this. John both. C.
1: Riley is good in everything. Like, John C. Riley, yeah. let's not be fucking mistaken here, is a better talent overall than Will Ferrell. John C. Riley's uh, breadth of work, he is like a dramatic actor. Like, he's in shit with Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, and then you see him in shit like this with Will Ferrell. He plays everything in between. He's like, think about that fucking PTA movie, uh, uh, Magnolia or whatever
2: the yeah, fuck. Yeah, you're totally right. Awesome Magnolia, are boogie he, nights. He's in Boogie Nights too.
1: And then he's also Steve Brule on the Tim and Eric Awesome For Show. Great right job, dummy. dude. Like, like uh, I am. I stand strong in the camp of like he stands uh, second to nobody. Like he is. He is the A class and Will Farrell is A class as well, but not as diverse an offering. Like, that's a that serious movie that's that true. we did. Um, He's he's good in, but he doesn't have the chops like Philip C. Riley, I don't think, um, or John C. Riley, sorry. Um So, yeah, I'm trying to call him Philip uh, Hoffman. Hoffman, the, yeah. No, I um, agree. Confusing you're using the two. Jesus. You're, you're, you're totally
2: oh. right. You're totally right. He does have a, a huge uh, work that's so different. He just, it's just, it's hard in a comedy to be in a scene with Will Ferrell and steal it. You and are he right, does. Totally, yeah. He does many times because that's, that is, that is his wheelhouse. That's the only thing that really Will Ferrell can do. So for him to come in and like blow to blow, like he is so good in this. Um, and then of course, like Jenkins. And the mom. and
0: Stranger Than Fiction. That's his like most serious of all the things. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, so I think I thought he was actually really, really great in that, and his little moments of comedy really shined. Yeah, but when you look at John John C. Riley's, like getting started out, he was in uh, Gangs in New York, and like so he's worked with Scorsese, he's worked with Daniel Day Lewis, he's worked with. He was in Casualties of War as his first movie. That's it's a Brian De Palma Days of Thunder with Tom Cruise. He's he in at in least uh, two
1: Paul Thomas Andersons because he's in uh, Hard Eight and he's in uh, Magnolia
2: he's in, and Boogie Nights. He plays uh, and Boogie, C, Nights, and yeah. Boogie Nights. Shit, he's yeah. so good in Thin Red
0: Line. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like Dolores Claiborne. Uh, he's just in so much, and like he's just got range, and and like from like he transitioned into comedy, if you can believe that. He didn't start out with the comedy shit. That's he just, true. Like, yeah, it. he was doing drama. That was his first. thing, and he's so
1: good at it. So he did out. a walk hard might have been was that yeah. like his first real big comedy it might have been
0: because oh, that that's predates like question. the talladega the stuff i think yeah, yeah he's
2: the star that's one of the few movies he's ever been the star in i think
0: yeah i have to look into that um uh, but yeah he, he's like he's the, like the, the top four players in this or you know what even the five so like will ferrell's great john c Riley's great mary steenbergen's great uh, Richard Jenkins is always good like uh, he was yeah. the dad in um, uh, Six Feet Under too which is just hilarious and Adam Scott really picks it up the rest of the people like Catherine Hahn through are, they play the supporting roles like super well uh, but the main people who like have lots of lines lots of time on screen lots of physical comedy mixed with, with the, the, the written stuff it's like just it's surprising what they got out of everybody in this to, to bring it together um, the acting is like a quality acting for a comedy movie
2: yeah and Brent said something or you said something about um, the director wanting to make this a drama at first or a drama. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's what does make this movie so good is that um, it kind of does have dramatic moments like uh, with the father and like with like the, the – the, where he finally gives up on the family at Christmas and stuff and he goes to the Cheesecake Cafe to get drunk. And um and then the kids are wanting to open a gift and you see his wife's face and she knows he's given up and um and then when they get yeah. back together at the end or all that stuff, it, it, because it go- goes in that direction, it it has some um it it has some weight to it. Like it feels like it has a lot more weight to it than other comedies where where there are stakes and um the characters learn lessons and grow and like. Um, even the Jenkins, where he sees it, was so funny to me that I never thought about till this time when we watched it together. What I love is is the Jenkins stuff where he sees them as normal. <laughs> the one is working as a catering job, and Will Ferrell is at a suit job where he wears a suit and and he's and he's shaking their hands and the way he's speaking. To him and his mom, and uh, we should we should have lunch together. All right, yeah, that would be <laughs> yeah. lovely. That would be very lovely. Yeah. And then he like shakes their hands, and you see yeah. Jenkins realize that he's broken them. They're broken, and he wants them to yeah. be themselves again. Like he hated them the whole movie, but now that he sees what yeah. they've become, which is what he wanted them to become, he. he He's—they're broken. He feels like it's so unnatural
1: for Will Ferrell to do that, right? Like Will Ferrell's like so obviously fitting into the constraints they're calling. I think that's exactly like the 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 scene in a nutshell is like. I love that that he comes around that way to see that they are they're changed not for the better. Yeah, the, yeah the, They like, were wild.
2: Stallions? He's turned them into
0: normal humans who will be crushed by like jobs and careers. And he, I forget his exact line, but at the end, he's like, "I can't see you like go through that and become this. Like I can't stand awful. seeing You're you like off this, the moron you were before." Yeah, and I think that's really yeah. That's they like, were. <laughs> it, it it sells it to me that he were, came wh- around by the end of it, and they do a good job with Adam Scott too, because he he just has a momentary flashback of flying a kite. And he talks to his big. Ba- he's like, "Thanks, <laughs> yeah, big brother." And right. then it comes back to the movie, and then he's like, "Oh," and I'm like, "I
1: get that. That worked. That just worked for me." Even though he's he, been a huge turd this whole movie. He plays it really well, though, too, with like that little like glossy eyes, and he's like, "Oh, you know." Yeah. Adam McKay is fucking great. He can sell it, man. He sells a big time, and their awkward hug
0: at the end is kind of funny too. I know, you know, that was just like there was no setup for that. They're like just I, hug awkwardly, and it's like. Mm-hmm. I, I also love.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, I also love these the stuff with um, Will Farrell's therapist, who he's he's like tells her like on their first session he's in love with her, and he's constantly like, and she's so professional, and then and then when he's singing, you see her flashback or her thought or fantasy, and it's him, yeah, and that's really <laughs> funny too. And then at the end of the movie, he's with her; they're like dating. Um, well, and that's and,
1: another funny thing with his mom because she's like. She's like, oh, it's your girlfriend. She's like, I am not his girlfriend. She's like, oh, playing hard to get or whatever, right? (laughs) And she's like, you are enabler. (laughs) (laughs) She gets called out right there. (laughs) But then she's right. It's it's
2: totally true. But also that once again, um, being grounded and believable, there's something about the writing and the acting and the directing that does make that believable. Because she is such a serious person, and she is always like holding this line of professionality, this like veneer that that him, this will Ferrell character is crazy and free, and there's something attractive to her about that because her life is kind of boring. So like it plays off that that could really have happened. like it, do- it doesn't come off as as crammed in or silly, but it should yeah. because there wasn't a lot of time to set that up. But the writing, the editing, the directing—somehow that plays. I I, like. There's so much in this movie that plays that should not play.
0: That's kind of how I was left after. I was. I was like thinking about it a lot, and I was like, they're so unlikable to start, and like think of the subject (laughs) matter. Immature (laughs) adults have to be one of the most fucking annoying topics to cover ever, and I think. I think that gives people like bile in their stomach to think about two forty year old guys living at home mooching off their their parents in that way, which I wonder how much that like people couldn't get past that as a comedic pre- um, premise for this for this flick because uh, a lot of people said it was immature, it was mean spirited humor. and I agree. Um, because that was the point of it all. But I think that the movie is able to use the 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 first two acts, at least, to start turning it, all that around in the third act in a way that overcomes it, right? So it's not like it's setting you up and then they just go back to being immature douchebags. They grow, they learn lessons, um, and they're like kind of going to have a, a happily ever after moment at the end. The entire family does as they gather around the boat treehouse. Um, so I don't know, like... Uh, some of it doesn't feel like it should work on paper. And how the hell does it? It's, it's like the acting must do a huge part in, in overcoming what, what this movie's challenges could, could be. 100%. It's,
2: it's funny, too, because this gets a splat on Rotten Tomatoes and it gets a 55. And, uh, and and that makes sense based on what we're saying here. Because all of us, when we first saw this movie, would have probably given it a similar review. We would have all said that. We would have all said it's immature, it's stupid. The characters are unlikable. Doesn't work. Ebert gave this like one out of four stars. Yeah, yeah, and 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 like once again, like I understand it, but this movie almost it it like defies (laughs) defies logic. Like it should not work uh, on the levels that it works on. on
0: a drum kit. For a good, yes. like, minute-long scene, we see testicles hanging out. Like, Which is, as immature as you can get. Like, don't touch my drums, I'll touch your drums with my balls. Ha-ha. Like, that shouldn't work. Yeah. No. no. But it does.
2: It Yeah, there's a heart to this but movie. It was the, that the call?
0: No, I'm just saying, like, the 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 humor element, and when I was, like, researching this up, and I saw what people didn't like about it, I'm like... It's almost the movie Secret Sauce, the stuff that people are saying they don't like because I felt that it gets over it at the end. Like it uses the shittiness of the characters to turn this into something that arcs them and shifts by yeah, the end.
1: They do experience like real change there. And you see like it's it's it ends up being a nice blend between um the immaturity and their growth, right? Right. they grow they learn something about the family and about you know like respecting others clearly right but at the end they're also um enabled again to be back into their arrested development state where they are um essentially 40-year-old 7-year-olds right yeah which well, i guess i'm fine this- with as long as like no harm no foul be whatever you want to be if you want to be a fucking Uh, a pirate be a pirate but but
0: this doesn't glorify their immaturity like it doesn't make it okay it kind of like finds that happy ground to be like they were on the complete spectrum of immaturity then they were on the getting into more of the weight of like normal person like job job and responsibilities and respectfulness and all that stuff and then but then the test like that's just not you and so step it back somewhere in the middle. And I think that's what the movie is trying to say that, you know, it's okay to be a little immature in your life if it if you can like
1: harness it and not hurt those around you,
0: which by the end they appear to find that that kind of happy medium.
1: Yeah, it's like find your place, right? Because they find a way to be themselves but also contribute yeah. to yeah. society. And, right? and, which is nice. and the and the yeah and the end
2: and the end result also isn't, yeah, it is a good message. And the end result isn't that they became like Connery? These, the, yeah, Sean Connery. <laughs> <laughs> they they did they didn't become they didn't become like these these moguls. What what they didn't prestige worldwide didn't become this big huge thing. They just they at the end they just have a karaoke thing that's like exclusive Boats to only people who are good. Boats and hoes. Um right. <laughs> So, yeah. so i I think it would have been really stupid if they would have their dream would have come to fruition and they had this huge they were
0: millionaires, yeah, I agree a hundred percent, no, I agree, a hundred percent they they got a taste, their video wasn't half bad, I gotta say, which unfortunately <laughs> is uh, something that they really worked hard to spin off after this movie is to like create a rap album with with Farrell and and Riley. And then they were talking sequels to this movie and I'm like no to all of that never make a sequel to this you would fuck it up the one good
1: thing is they have a music video
0: yeah that one and that's got like million hits on YouTube maybe more so I think they actually attributed some of the success of this movie to that to that video and it like definitely in some of its longevity. Um, because it was not, it was not half bad, but I'm so glad they didn't be like, yeah, now we're like famous rappers and, and we sing. Cause like he wasn't that great on shredding the drums. It was all bluster. Like we thought. And I think they tried to prove, I mean, Will Farrell was okay singing, but he
1: wasn't.
2: Will Ferrell <laughs> was singing? Here's the
1: thing. They really, he really was singing and John C. Riley was really drumming that. Remember when I said, like, I was like, I was like, man, it almost looks like he's actually playing it. Yep. And it, it turns out he was. So yep. I give big credit to them for that. But you're right. He was no uh, fucking, uh, what's his name? God damn Liberace? It, the singer. <laughs> no, I was going to say Liberace. <laughs> That's what I'm fighting here. It, that singer. What the fuck?
2: The thing, the thing with his oh, singing, pen- though, is that his singing Starts is- with an A or some shit? Oh, the... Adele? Um,
1: the opera guy? I
0: thought it was... Uh, <laughs> He's no Adele. A Isn't it... Uh, Pavarotti? Maybe. Pavarotti. good. Pavarotti is super good.
1: Pavarotti? And-
0: have a no no
2: but Will Farrell Will Farrell's singing is <laughs> I think it's the great thing about it is that it is it's not amazing it's like the, not a, but it is good and so like yeah. that once again you there's some believability there that that his singing could move people it's like not so far fetched because his no. voice isn't bad so so once again those kind of things worked really well for the movie because, um, like, they exaggerate about him being the songbird of his generation or, and his mom. But, but I, I also love his mom. Like, his mom not only is an enabler, but she also enabled Derek. Because um, when <laughs> in the flashbacks when Derek's doing Ice Ice Baby, she, mm-hmm. and then they start, what was the thing they start chanting? Uh, Derek has a, not Derek, uh, Brendan has a vagina or something like that. She she even admitted that she started chanting it with everyone. She got caught up and started chanting as well. (laughs) So she, (laughs) so she's at fault also for the way he feels about himself and how everybody loves his brother more. Yeah, Um, like she's contributed to those things. Like the parents, these parents created these these people and why they're so dependent on them. And, and it's in the movie. It's in the writing. So that's really smart that they they kind of lean into that. I I mm-hmm. like it. And she does such a good job. I mean, she is an amazing actress. She's been in so many things over the years. Um, the cast, yeah. to get this cast, I mean, even uh Hahn. she Hun, married
1: to Ted Danson? Yes,
2: she's married to Ted okay. Danson for years now, for like, who knows, like probably 40 years. But... um. Kathleen Hahn or whatever her name is who plays um uh, Adam Scott's wife Alice. Yeah. She the, the thing that that good comedies have is when you get the right actor and stuff they they identify you don't have a lot of time when there's this many people in the movie you got to identify who the character is right away <laughs> and they've got to yep. be big because they're not on the screen for that long and she is so big when she has that first conversation with Dale about how much she hates her life <laughs> and kissing him and stuff, and then she's like, "I hate it so much." And her 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 emotions are up and they're down. She is so good.
0: Yeah, singing and in the be, car is a great way to introduce that whole family too. Because oh Scott my god, it was amazing. Flat, and then they do "Sweet Child of Mine," which is really, <laughs> uh, which is really. Uh, it was a good. It was a good rendition of that song. The, the, and then when wh- she bangs. John C Riley in, in, in
1: the bathroom, bathroom and he when has she his been a you mean Pretty much yeah
2: Kind of yeah
1: And he runs <laughs> away from her at the end which indicates more that she like she probably should be under investigation A little bit yeah she Because he is like a kid it was like she know, w- yeah. she it's waved so the photo. slippery and wo- yeah. <laughs> She was basically waved <laughs> someone with
2: the the emotional intelligence of a 14 year old She was like a teacher <sighs> having sex with a student oh in God. that bathroom
1: yeah, and the, uh, I never heard any consent.
2: Like, I never heard consent. <laughs> Brent's right. No, it I was don't think right. he really
0: wanted to. She just jumped on that shit and got an yeah. interesting angle. But he was yeah. And that 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 sex scene is maybe second only to um, Big Mouth.
2: Well, no, when she the goes, the when thank,
1: she, thank you. I'm sorry. Thank, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Thank when
2: you. <laughs> they do end the scene, that when she goes to pee, she pees in the urinal with her leg up on the wall, and he goes, "You're incredible." or something like that. <laughs> You're amazing. So, I guess it yeah. wasn't rape because he was uh he was into it.
0: Yeah, he, that was in his post nut clarity too, so you'd know that was the time when
1: Yeah, if he's he, going to be honest, like, oh, that's when
2: cool. honesty comes out. It was out, his first yeah. Yeah. time
1: though. I think the glow can
0: overwhelm. He's definitely like terrified of her though. Um and calls it off with her later, so that's that's all fine. I think the structure is good.
2: Woman. The structure is good too because they they have the middle part of the movie where the bad guys start closing in, the house gets threatened, and then they have to protect the house by doing all of those things to the when he's showing the home to the new buyers. Oh yeah. The Nazi stuff a Nazi and Nazi. all of that stuff's really good.
0: The dead body inside. That's and nice then, fun in games. Yeah, that stuff makes it go.
2: There's like so much fun and and games like in games how- in this.
0: I like how Adam Scott respects them for what they're doing because he's yeah. kind of a piece of shit who'll do whatever it takes to win. You see him at work with his with his whatever you call them, fuck boys, I guess. Yeah. Um, but he goes in, he's like, oh, that's uh, not bad, not bad. So I like that there was that respect that made it even funnier instead of yeah. just being mad and running out.
2: It made it more believable that he was a human being instead of a, a character cutout. And all of the actors do that too. Um, there feels like there's depth to all of them in such a short period of time and that's incredibly difficult to do. I mean, I will I want to steal so much of this for the kind of the thing I'm working on right now because um how do you establish a character so quickly um and fill them out um it's it's really difficult. It's a comedies are really hard to do. Um I think people don't respect comedy enough um as a genre of film and it's so difficult
0: i think horror is supposed to be like one of the tough yeah horror and comedy (laughs) horrors are like getting really popular these days because people figured out like around the saw era that you can make lower budget but still terrifying movies that work really well um and I think um, I think the comedies blew up around this time, doing the same thing. Like that, they realized there was more to it. There was more genres you can smash together, but still have the comedy going. And I think it's it's so difficult to make people laugh, to make mainstream people laugh. You can always niche and get the people in the poop and fart jokes, or get people in like the sex jokes, or whatever it's going to be. But doing something across the board that's funny for middle aged dudes, I guess this movie would be mostly aimed at. Um, I think they got a lot of the enough of the broad strokes in here, and again, somehow they they take these two very unlikable guys and turn it around in a way that is is kind of funny by the like it's still funny by the end. It's not hard, It's not easy to do. I'm, I'm like I'm actually shocked that that this movie was able to to do it as well as it did.
2: That's why I think with the state of Hollywood today and what's going on, and um, uh, even with the contracts being signed and the strikes finally being over as of this week. Um, independent movie is going to be the only thing that's going to save Hollywood because you're seeing, you're seeing budgets, um, hitting $300 million for a movie, an action movie with Tom Cruise. And, uh, the marketing budget was $300 million and that movie made like six or $700 million and it wasn't successful. So like, you're going to have to go back to independent movies that are shot for like less than a million dollars and, like, they make two or three or four million dollars. And that's okay. They make three or four times of their budget. Because, like, Hollywood is out of control with going in one direction, which is superheroes, Star Trek, Star Wars, and Mission Impossible. That's all the movies that get made. And, like, at those budgets, and with theater revenues dying down, that's no good for a streaming service. Making a movie for no. $300 for a streaming service is fucking useless. So... So, like, I want to make a, I want to make a movie. I want to make a comedy for less than a million dollars. I want to make a horror for less than a million dollars, and I want to try and like sell those things because that is the only way of going about this business anymore. Trying to sell a script that's going to get made for a hundred or two hundred million dollars as an unknown writer is impossible. No one's going to want to make right. that movie.
1: Well, here is the thing: if you have a good movie, all that budget and shit like that should be surplus. Right, like effects, all that stuff. Some stuff obviously um, requires some some money to get good quality stuff, but with the growth of the AI technology, um, text-to-video, stuff like this, we're going to see a huge growth and like kind of democratization of the fucking industry because regular people aren't held by the same uh, uh, limitations stipulations that these... Yeah. that these other guys are. And so they're going to be able to actually put out for less than a million dollars, like really good content, as long as, like you're saying, the soul of the thing has quality, right? If you if you have sincerely funny moments, if you have sincerely scary moments, right, that don't rely on bullshit um, or, you know, throwing too much CG at something. Because yeah. I fucking hate that. I'd rather see miniatures for less every day not that that's necessarily cheap, but you know what I mean, right? Like, yeah.
2: No, no, totally. The Mantone's real, shift the real from, shit.
0: I, I, I made a cheap movie, so now I can make the $300, $400 million movies next because I earned up. Like That's still not the answer. It's I no, made a great totally movie, not. I'm going to continue to make great movies, and if I get more money, I'm going to use that money wisely to bolster some of the things that were lacking in the original. So the quality, overall quality, and and some of the effects and shit like that, but not like fucking the three, like equal in cost of making the movie in a marketing budget. That's such a, it, fuck off.
2: That's also the problem. Like if you look at a movie like The Blair Witch Project, which cost around $25,000 to make, but then when they wanted to put it in the theaters, they had to spend about another $200,000 to blow it up and get it to the kind of quality you could show it in a the theater because it was such low 16 in video that it just needed that much money to, so, you're looking at a $225,000 budget. That movie made like $200 million. Then, what do they do next? They make a Blair Witch Project 2 for $32 million. They went from $225,000 000- to $32 million? Like, why would you do that? You already realize you can make a project for less than a half a million dollars that will make $200 million. So, now you have to like get a huge multi million dollar budget for That's the what sequel. I'm like, why yeah. Why, why that's would like, you... That's the important where that thing. Where's that logic? Where's the fucking logic to any of that?
0: Blair Witch 2 sucked, too, didn't it?
2: Yeah, it did. So I make the next it. one Make the next one for, like, a million, maybe. How do you go from $200,000 to $32 million? Like, it that's makes no th- sense. Yeah, that's what
0: they throw at you and suck you in and be like, now you're part of the machine. And now you're they, a part
2: of the machine. Yeah, you're yeah. totally right. They do. I'd they be curious to
1: know what the... Um, the next Paranormal Activity cost because the first one was the was the highest ratio, um, grossest movie, from, grossing from movie of all time. Earnings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm curious, actually. I'm going to look it up to see uh, what the second one cost because I I wonder if they did it more intelligently.
2: And Brent's totally right. We now have the access to be able to do our own special effects. We now have the access to be able to shoot with with high-def cameras. We we don't need a studio. We don't need a streaming service to back these movies. You can create your own world now um, and visual effects like at home on your computer. You don't need a studio. So that is why that's going to be the revolution is all of these people are going to start putting out content using CG and AI. And they're going to be creating these amazing things for low, low budgets and making a lot of money on the based on the budget that they used to make the product, whether it's a cartoon, TV show, movie, whatever it will be.
0: My mind is blown right now from looking up this paranormal activity shit.
2: Yeah.
1: So the first one, uh, the first one was made for fifteen thousand, and then the post production was two hundred fifteen thousand. Uh that made 194 million the second one they made for 3 million and it made and it 177 but then
0: oh, they made the third one for 5 million and it made 207 million back and then the Jesus. fourth one they made for 5 million and it got 150 million
2: back but but, see, but, that's
1: the fucking thing you do That's <laughs> you no, keep but, the fucking budget
2: that's the secret sauce. Like, you guys just said it right there. The, those budgets did increase, but it was very incremental. Yeah. That's what you need to was. do. Like, like and the if well, it and and that's the third and fourth cost the we, same, like $5 for both. You can see both.
1: $3 million being a cost of a movie. Today, yes, yeah. yeah. Especially for a Paranormal Activity. I don't know if you guys have ever seen them, but... I've seen the uh, first or second one, yeah. They're basically like security footage or found footage, not like... Yeah. you know video home, home security footage. footage yeah yeah um so and i mean effective i remember the first one being like very effective it was so, i saw the again, first one good good production good story and then good execution and you also don't fucking make us sit there uh for two hours yeah right
2: Yeah, because fucking
1: you diddle us and then you release us on the street. Eighty six minutes the first one is. Because if you because
2: if you can make because if if I can make a comedy for like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars and make a couple of million dollars, the next thing I would do is now make a horror movie, which I would really like to do for like a half a million dollars. So like like once again, keeping the budget small, finding really good actors who want a shot, a chance at doing something and um, paying them like you know you you pay everybody still but like the budgets have to stay small you're seeing the revenue of like those movies is insane and based on the yeah. budgets we're talking about like that is the secret sauce and everybody you can look that up everybody in Hollywood knows about those movies and everyone in Hollywood is clamoring to make horror movies but yet, they're making expensive horror movies. Why? They're spending $10, 20 $30, 40000000 million on a horror movie. That's insane. Well, it's
1: not that there's not cause for that ever, right? There are movies that definitely have been made for that budget that are great movies. Yeah. But, um, but they probably but, didn't need, that, you g- don't budget. need it. that budget. That yeah. budget is,
2: exce- ex- I bet you it's exce- way way over what they could have made that same movie for
1: potentially uh yeah. and then you can I profit mean, share these things are salaries right you never know it is salaries
2: a lot of the time this movie would have been salaries for the 65 million dollar budget but if you think about it if you go on a profit sharing model you can get better actors who will make more money after you see the profit turn so if that's the model of hollywood if that's the route that it takes. You'll be able to get top Everything. rated talent. You'll be able to get yeah. top rated talent and they will be making more money. And everyone else who works on that movie will make more money than they've ever seen in their whole lives. And the studios and streaming services will get nothing.
1: Yeah, I think of Matt Damon with uh with Avatar. Yeah. When when he fucking turned that down and and what did he get offered? at five percent? Ten. Ten percent. 10% of the fucking, so can you That's imagine? It. Like, and, and this is the thing. Everything should be working with this profit-sharing model. I don't care if you work at a convenience store you work somewhere else, right? I'm pretty, you should have yeah. a fucking level of, of feedback commensurate to your level of input. And if you provide something to the, to the product, you should be able to fucking, uh, like, because the thing is that the people in front of the camera are always getting all these residuals. The people working behind them are fucking eating cat food. Yeah.
2: No, it's totally no. true. Like my dream was always to like write scripts and sell them for like a lot of money. That's not my dream anymore. My dream is I want to create an ecosystem where everybody profit shares. We make movies, we make TV shows, we make cartoons, and everyone profit shares and everybody makes out. And I and I don't have to be involved with these negotiations with people who are looking to rip me off. Like and like and struggle because they've designed a system that whips me when you're a first timer coming into it that completely whips you off steals your ideas and they get all of the profits why would I want to work within that system I don't think I do want to work within that system
1: yeah Yeah. no I hear that man I'm too
2: old I need to make money sooner I can't start (laughs) well selling scripts that are for peanuts I need to be doing something differently.
0: Word. Wordness to the turdness.
2: Word. Anyways, um, what I guess we should remains. talk about <laughs> this movie here.
0: Does Step Brothers hold up?
2: There's well, let's question. make Brent go first. He never goes first. Oh.
1: What do you mean I never <laughs> go first? Shut up. Um yeah. I will go first. <laughs> I um Yeah. I think this holds up. It's, it's a stupid movie, but it's an effective, stupid movie. And I think, um, comedy like horror, uh, benefit from the one thing, despite like we were saying, being, being challenging to pull off, they benefit from the ability of, was it funny? Was it scary? Right. Whereas in a drama, it was like, did it have drama? Yeah, but it didn't fucking make sense. Okay, well, that's not cool, right? Like, if I'm here <laughs> yeah. to be entertained and laugh yeah. and it makes me laugh, then I can excuse uh, some of the stuff. I'm, I'm actually blown away because despite the fact that I make incredibly immature, easy jokes all the time, um, I don't always get compelled by movies like this because I find them to be like really simple and dialed back and that might be a part of my self-loathing and it might be a part of that uh being the real way that that is but here we stand holds up uh Brothers. uh very interesting uh time
2: okay but i don't think it just made me laugh i do think that i, I in a strange way as stupid as this is to say this comedy has uh for me it has staying power because the writing is so good the character all of the characters have arcs it's one of the hardest things um, to do is to give all of the characters and 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 everyone's always saying you got to give all your characters arcs in these kind of comedies um i'm finding that incredibly difficult to do and this movie does that and it does it in a satisfying way i'm i'm happy i hate derek but i'm happy that at the end he comes around that makes me feel good. Um, <laughs> the it's it's crazy. This is a really good movie. I even just talking about it with you guys today makes me want to watch it again. Uh, so it, it totally holds up. This is like a, a really underrated comedy that I think people say it's a cult classic or it's cult status. This is a, a exceptionally good comedy. John, it's
1: surprising to me that it's reviewed so poorly because this is like, yeah, it is it is ubiquitous in culture these days. Like, you don't know anyone our age that doesn't quote this movie, probably, or at least no quotes from this movie. Sorry, and, John. Go. No. Yeah, and it was the first no, time, kind of, right. for
2: John again. Or are we visiting for you? So it'll be interesting.
0: Um. Yeah, I I thought this movie held up for sure. Um, It's just a good, it's a good, solid comedy. Uh, I can, I I think I can understand why people are put off by it because it's, but it's not your typical raunchy um, comedy in the same way that others are where characters are are mean-spirited or not, that these guys are like actual morons and then prove that they can grow a little bit out of it and then further that it kind of says, Nope. That's not the right way to go. You thought that's where we're steering you, but we're not. We're bringing them back so that they can have some of their immature selves because some, like, uh, immature dudes are a real thing. Let me tell you right now, for 40, 50-year-old guys who still can't shake out of that, like, fucking teenager stuff. Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah, like, that. that's a real thing, and, and, and that gives me anxiety inside to think of people like that uh, but then I smile because I act like that from time to time. And I think that's just something that's in <laughs> a lot of, in some guys. So, and, and you know what? That's okay. And that that's made out to be a, a, an entirely bad thing is not right because you lose some of your whimsicalness and your wonder when you let go of your childhood and, and absorb and and, and and focus on adulthood. So, you know, I kind of smile thinking that these guys got over a hump and now are at a place where maybe the last couple of years of their lives they'll settle a little bit down and find some happiness while still being wacky motherfuckers.
2: But that's a great way so of think, putting I it. I think this
0: flick holds up. I like it. I actually like it a lot on this rewatch. I, I, I'm, I'm going to really guess, and I can't find a good in-order list of um, stuff for Will Ferrell, but uh, I would guess that people didn't like this at the time because it was just will ferrell overload and it's fair it
1: feels like he was doing like two movies a year for a while there
0: yeah and all comedies right all wacky zany comedies and so Mm -hmm. this one might not have stood out in the grand scheme and um but i think it, like i think it's a really really solid funny effort it's the right length great acting um as annoying as it can be at times it overcomes it with some heart by the end and it brings it around in a way that doesn't For a time in the movie and as i do with movies who have characters who are really really dumb i'm like are are there like mental illnesses going on here or are they just immature and unraised and at the start through most of this movie i was actually pretty sure that there was some on the spectrumness of of these guys and maybe that that's Maybe that's actually the case. I don't know if it's intended to be written like that, but we know a lot more about, about mental health and, and neurodiversity um, now. So it only makes it more human because then you can start to like lean off of them being just idiots and, and uh, malicious and all that stuff. And you'd be like, oh, this could be a little bit of immaturity mixed with some enablement from the parents mixed by some on the spectrum. Uh, so they can't really like they don't have much choice. I like thinking about it like that because then it, it leaves me to believe that they can go on with their lives as adults but still harnessing some of their immaturity. So freaking A, man. Like, I, I, good, job, I like, good job on I, this flick.
2: I like that message too because the way you put it where you lose your... you you, like you, It's one thing to become an adult and be responsible and like be able to like make a living for yourself and be able to have relationships with people, friends, or partners... But it's another thing to become like a boring, stuffy adult, and um, to not be able to have fun in your life anymore. Because like experiences and fun is what life is all about. It's not about objects or things. Um, it's about it's about being still having that lust for life and having fun and being able to laugh at yourself or others. And I think that's a Balance. great message. That's a great message that this movie, because we all three could be Im- immature. Uh, a lot a lot of the time but i think that's also why we like each other and enjoy each other's company because we're we're not so stuffy and we don't take ourselves so seriously and and if we were to lose that we would lose something fundamental
1: i'm could, immature but i can grow a mustache you know well it's,
2: it's coming in pretty good i've decided i'm just going to uh, it's
1: kind of shit to tell you the truth
2: yeah it's not Sorry. The, the you message. look like uh you look like a Fourteen-year-old kid trying to grow a bit of a mustache. Right
1: now. I shaved it up like a French style for oh, yeah. the I know, I know tournament i was in the other day. I noticed that. Oh, I, I did think, I take you all down?
0: I think the message of this movie is is more enhanced with the dad saying like, "Don't waste your life and become a robot," because he was trying. The reason he was so looking forward to his retirement was because his entire life had been that. And mm-hmm. so he was just watching out for his son and he's Rex. like, don't be like me where you got to wait till you're 65 or 70 to then let go. He's like, let go a little bit now. Yeah. Enjoy and your it, life. It just further supports that, that good message at the end of it. So I, I, I like you him. know what
1: almost breaks this movie. Hmm. The ocean is no place for a Tyrannosaurus Rex to retire. So it totally breaks my immersion. There you go. Story. There you uh, go. I was a land, bit, man. I was a bit
2: thrown by that as land. well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not. Doesn't make sense for the animal, bro. Maybe he doesn't actually know anything about them.
0: Did you? Did you guys know we have John C. Riley again next week?
1: I don't actually know what we're watching next week, but now what's I'm eating super curious. Gilbert Grape? Oh, oh my god, I cannot John wait C. for trivia. Do you know what his first uh, IMDb credit is? Uh...
2: Casualties of War.
1: No. That's yeah. second. That's a second. The first one's the uncredited role of Thug in Bar in the Steven Seagal classic Above the Law. No, he way. in Above the Law. That's why that's they were hilarious. watching it. Then. Oh
0: my god!
2: Oh shit! They that's are watching it.
0: That is because I checked. That is the movie they were watching. We said that when we were when we were going through. I know oh, me some really Seagal. True. His run legend. He's so fucking skinny and greasy. Anyway, so what's <laughs> Eddy Gilbert Grape comes up next week. That should be real interesting to watch. And then we're gonna finish out November, Mo-vember, nofap November, No Fap November, with the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Because you can't masturbate to that. Um,
1: trying, I can't, I can't wait. Brent, Brent, seen
2: Brent seen neither of these.
1: Neither of which. Oh, Gilbert Grape and uh, Qu- and uh, Good the Bad and, and the Ugly. So
2: like? this is gonna be great to have a first yeah. time or seeing this with fresh eyes because. I have fond memories of both of these and could have some nostalgia that clouds my judgment, so it'll be good. Sorry, yeah, it's good. and
1: one of them I've been curious about and the other one I've never been curious about. Nice. Interesting. Sounds like... I'll we'll let you decide which one.
0: Some bi-curiosity going on there. Yes, <laughs> right. Some, some yes, shit, yes. Now it's some me. No. That couldn't
1: be less like
0: me. <laughs> I'm I've, I've definitely never in the gray zone. Nice. I love that shirt too, by the way. Tool shirt on Brent today. Yeah! That's great. Saw them in concert recently. fucking amazing. Don't miss an opportunity to see Tool. Okay, um, folks, three thumbs up. Step Brothers, gotta love it. That means you gotta get out and watch it. Get in your eye holes. Let us know what you think of that one. We will see you back next week for What's Ill Eating the Grape Man Named Gilbert and then Good, Bad, and the Ugly (laughs) We'll follow that up for the last one in November. We're looking forward to
1: all that. What? Oh, just you struggled through that and it made me laugh. I I really enjoyed the way that you did gilbert grape i fuck up sometimes too not much but
0: sometimes i do um I've never seen it no nah, yeah, yeah, yeah um so folks until we get back at you in the next episode for uh, mr grape we will uh, be loving life i guess and you should love life too but we will be back next time we look forward to seeing you then and until then enjoy your shit